0: We have to talk about Smokey Joe Wood. Smokey Joe Wood was a 34-game winner in 1912, one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball. There is an unconfirmed story that Walter Johnson once said in a contest between Smokey Joe Wood and himself. There's no contest that uh, Smokey's fastball was faster. That'd be something. It seems like it's probably not the case, but no matter what, there's no doubt that he had a huge fastball and the next year he is playing in detroit it's wet grass he goes to field a bunt and he trips and falls and breaks his thumb now in i think it's probably more than that we just know for sure he broke his thumb it sounds like there was some nerve damage and other things he tried to pitch through it but doesn't change the fact that you know 1912 he's got a 1.91 era and he is striking out uh over 200 batters and pitching 344 innings And then the next year he can only pitch 145 innings. Like he could never build up the endurance. He just, it it became too painful to pitch. It was not something he could do anymore the way that he had been before. And you have this guy who's 22 years old, uh, top five MVP finish, just a phenomenal season with the Red Sox. Three years then of, the interesting thing is like 1915, it's only uh, 157 innings. That's his high for the next three years but he goes 15 uh, and 5, actually has the best winning percentage that year, and the lowest ERA at a 1.49. Like He's still effective, uh, but he's just still not quite the same guy, and he's only 25 at that point. Steps away from baseball, gets sold to the Indians, and then actually becomes a starter in the Indians' outfield uh, in 1917. I bl- no, uh, comes in 1917, is more of a backup, becomes a starter in 1918. In 1919 and 1920, he's more of a Part-time guy, same deal, 21. 22, he's back to an everyday player. Every single year, an OPS plus over 100. uh, A solid performer. And, you know, I remember reading uh, like 100 greatest baseball players of all time and they had Smokey Joe Wood in there and they also had Herb Score under the Smokey Joe Wood like corollary. And it's basically like when guys have weird injury situations, but their peaks are that high, um, it's impossible to ignore it. But he was all of that, you know, phenomenal pitching and everything else. Yeah, and the Indians bought his rights off the Red Sox. He had been a teammate with uh, Tris Speaker back when Speaker was in Boston, and uh, yeah, Indians paid fifteen thousand, which is a not insignificant amount to pay for a guy, especially one who hadn't played uh, for a few years. He had a forty-war side note, as mostly, uh, you know, uh, with a lot of his career being lost to injury or then being just a a backup for a good chunk of it once he switched. But the Indians had him as a a bench player. We talked about the outfield, the infield. Uh, Bill uh, Wambagas, really only, I I can tell you, he was truly terrible in the batter's box. (laughs) The performance numbers there are not strong for him. Uh, I believe there is one more trade we did. Oh, so this is interesting. The Indian trade Fritz Colum... Uh, and received Dick Kneehouse and $10,000 to the, to St. Paul, which was part of the American Association back then. Uh, so they they get Kneehouse, and I have to mention this, because then they would later trade Kneehouse and Tony Faith, Fath, maybe. Uh, and f- So with the Indians pitching staff, we'll get into more than nitty gritty. I mean, Fath was, you look at their top eight pitchers, he's eighth on the list. Um, he had the eighth most appearances for the indians that year so trade away the guy did the eighth most appearances uh Niehaus didn't actually pitch or in was seventh most appearances for the team so trade the seventh and eighth most appearances and get duster males duster males comes over in that trade he ends up with the ninth most appearances for the indians this year that year era plus of 208 a fip of 302 an era of 185 like he's he's really good in that short run with the indians and he is good enough that eventually they will call on him to be a World Series starter, um, which is kind of amazing, because when you get down to it, uh, this team was Jim uh, Bagby and Stan Kovalski. Ray Caldwell was was solid, but it, it was those three, and then there was not much else. Those three guys won uh, more games, uh, the combined total between them was uh, 75 games the the indians won i believe 97 that entire year males would pitch in 20 and 22 with the indians would not pitch in the majors in 23 or 24 reappearing at 30 and 31 with or at the age of 30 and 31 in 25 and 26 with st louis not good in 22 passable in 21 so his kind of out of nowhere performance really helped uh drive things for the indians became a pretty strong addition for them uh, down the line there but let's just talk about jim bagby the last indian to win 30 games he won 31 games that year uh stan kowalewski uh if there was a world series mvp and it wasn't him then it's a it's a travesty well like i said we'll get into the world series because you can do a whole show about that alone uh he was utterly dominant. If you're doing an all-time Indians team, it'd be very hard when it comes time to talk about pitching to leave Kovaleski off. You know, someone like Feller we know. Lemon is probably also assured, but Kovaleski is right up there with them uh, when you look at And the Indians have had a lot of great names pass through. It's going to be hard to make that list and make that cut. But those are, are definitely the big two on that team. Uh, Caldwell wins 20 Kowaleski was at 24 uh george yule who'd become a starter the next year was one of the their bullpen arms really the bullpen was not good for them that year yule was not particularly effective um like i said knee and, and faith were traded away elmer myers who i believe was another player they had yeah he was selected elmer myers so that's There we go. I knew I'd seen... Elmer Myers was 6th on the team in appearances that year. And in August, he was selected off the Indians roster by the Boston Red Sox. Um, They had chosen to uh, waive him. So the Indians waived the guy who pitched the 6th most innings for... or had the 6th most appearances that year. And they traded the 7th and 8th most appearances to get the guy who would have the ninth most appearances for them. Uh, It was... You know, the before the season, we, you know, I talked about the only other deal was they sold Johnny Enzeman before the season began. I don't think that's too big of a loss. He had in 1918, got a significant role, but there's not a whole lot to talk about there. So that's, like, the big transaction is acquiring George Burns. Yes, go ahead and make all the jokes about comedian George Burns that you would like at this point in time. Uh... So the big thing to talk about, just in terms of the American League, is, as I'm running along again, the Indians and the White Sox were in a very tight race. Now, this is 1920. It's the year after the Black Sox scandal. At the end of the season, several of the White Sox star players had to were suspended, and that gave the Indians a, a window. Now, the Indians would end up winning the American League by two games over the White Sox. If there were no suspensions, it's hard to say for sure that if that would have happened or not. Uh, In third place was the New York Yankees, who had uh, Babe Ruth in his first year in New York. The year before, he had led the American League in home runs, so it's not like it should be a huge surprise, but at the same time, the home run numbers that he put up were just unheard of for the time, the era. Uh, He started with, I think he had 54 in 1920, but that's where we are. It's, It's kind of the edge of that New York dynasty beginning, the end of that whole Black Sox scandal and the taint on baseball. And here come the Cleveland Indians with this opportunity They'll go up against the Brooklyn Robins in the World Series. And it'll be the, the, what occurs there, and we won't see again until 1980, is it'll be a matchup of two teams that have never won it. You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. If you listened to last week's podcast, you know I went very long in the 1920 Indians. So the first half of the show today is going to be me talking more about the season, some of the players that really stood out. Um, it's a just a loaded squad in terms of stories and performance. And this is all recorded from Friday. This was originally supposed to be part of Friday's show. So just keep that in mind. Uh, after the break, we'll then talk about the World Series itself, which was ground and record breaking for a lot of reasons. So I hope everyone enjoys another deep dive into the 1920 Cleveland Indians. Our sponsor today is Postmates. And if you've listened to the show, you've heard me talk about Postmates. And especially in times like this, uh, Postmates is a lifesaver. They give you what you need when you need it at the convenience of home. During these times of social distancing, Giving things brought to your home is especially uh, fantastic. If you are like me and have uh, lung problems to begin with and times like these are especially scary, it is nice to have someone like Postmates who's going to bring you what you need and eliminate you having to go out in public and get those daily necessities. And right now we have our fantastic deal with Postmates. I've talked about this deal before. Take advantage of it now. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code Locked On. That's code locked on for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for the first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Okay, let's talk about the 1920 World Series. Now, right before the break, I mentioned that we would not have another World Series between a pair of teams that had not won a World Series uh, until 1980. It would be quite the stretch uh, for that to occur. Uh, in a World Series. In this one, as mentioned before, the Indians are facing the Brooklyn Robins in that 1920 World Series matchup. The Robins had a Zach Wheat. Um, and Marquard were Hall of Famers, as was their manager, uh, Wilbert Robinson. After I said Marquard, I realized it was Rube Marquard. Uh, the Indians, the future Hall of Famers, were Stan Kowalewski, Joe Sewell, and Trish Speaker. Uh, for the Indians, they have the advantage of. I mean, Sewell is a rookie, but the other two are well into their dominance. This is an odd World Series for many reasons. As we talked about the matchup of two teams that never won, it is a best of nine series, which would occur in 1919, 1920, and 1921, as well as in the first World Series back in 1903. Uh, this would have the uh, unassisted triple play occur in Game 5. You would have the first home run by a pitcher in this one, and you'd have the first Grand Slam as well in this series. Uh, So a lot of firsts. And without further ado, let's just dive right into it. Now, if you remember from the 1948 podcast, the Indians were averaging like almost 80,000 fans a game during that World Series. The numbers are a little bit down in here. It's going to be close to like 25, 26. And this is also, the Indians aren't at... um, the Municipal Stadium, which allowed those huge numbers. At this Mm -hmm. point, the Indians are still at League Park. So let's just get into it. Game one is Stan Kowalewski against Rube Marquard. This is a pair of future Hall of Famers. And I forgot about the other interesting fact before I dive into this. Uh, I just recalled that in this World Series, um, whoever scored first won, uh, and that... Every single time, in fact, Game 4 is the only game where the losing team scored a run before the winning team had scored all of its runs. So there's no lead changes in this entire World Series. For the most part, one team would score all their runs, and then the other team might get on the board or might not. Game 1, Ebbets Field, Tuesday, October 5th. Uh, This game, like I said, uh, featured a pair of Hall of Famers matching up. The Indians would get two runs in the second uh, Steve O'Neill, we talked about on that greatest Indian series, a catcher would uh, have an RBI double in the second and in the fourth inning as well, which is when they get their other runs scored one run uh, for Brooklyn would come in the seventh, Kowalewski would pitch a complete game, the game took one hour and 41 minutes, uh, the Indians had three runs on five hits, Brooklyn had one run on five hits and one error and just like that, the Indians are up and Kowalewski is dominant Game 2 Burley Grimes, yes, Burley Grimes. What a great name uh, for the uh, Brooklyn pitcher. Uh, He will be a significant figure in this World Series. Uh, He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 64, um, and he is in the all-time name Hall of Fame. But uh, yeah, he was a big part of this team. But let's get into it. Burley Grimes picks up the win against Jim Bagby. Uh, a first inning run by Jim, uh, Jimmy Johnson would single and then Zach Wheat would double score, which would score mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Johnson. And that would be the basically all Grimes would need. They would uh, they'd get another run in the third and the fifth. And the Indians wouldn't get any across against Grimes. Uh, he would pitch a complete game shutout. For Brooklyn, they would win this one 3 nothing, Seven hits apiece for both teams. One error on Cleveland. Game three, we're still in Brooklyn because this is back in the, the era where traveling was uh, was not as quick as it could be, so but in game three uh, Ray Caldwell's pitching for the Indians unfortunately, Brooklyn gets two in the first inning uh, Zach Wheat and High Myers would uh, both knock a few runs that chased Ray Caldwell from the game, so he exits extremely early he gives up a uh, two runs one earned on a hit and two walks last a third of an inning duster males comes in and pitches six and two thirds the rest of the way george yule with the final inning uh sherry smith of the robins would pitch a complete game and that would be it uh for the uh that one uh 2-1 brooklyn would beat cleveland cleveland would get a run across in the fourth inning they would get one run on three hits and an error brooklyn with two runs on six hits and one error the Indians would get that uh, run thanks to, well, it was a, an unearned There was no RBI on that run uh, for the Indians. The error in that game goes to uh, Joe Sewell in the first, which leads to some of those runs. So at this point, the Indians are now down two games to one, and there's only one man to turn to to start the series in Cleveland. And if you've been paying attention, that is, of course, Stan Kowalewski. Stan Kowalewski will come out, pitch a complete game. He will give up one run on five hits. The Indians had an error. The Indians would get five runs on 12 hits and two errors. And this is... You know, game four, game five is where it's going to get crazy. But for the Indians, this just helps kind of staunch the bleeding after losing back-to-back games. Kowalewski does what you need him to do. The offense wakes up, it provides support with runs in the first, the third, and the sixth. And as I said, Kowalewski was was kind of peerless during this time. Uh, just a fantastic performance in a mirror of the previous game. Uh, The starting pitcher did not get out of the first inning. This time it was the Mets' uh, Leon Cadero who would go... Well, he he gets out of the first. He goes one full inning, giving up those two runs. And what's odd about this one to me is the third pitcher out was Rube Marquard, who was the game one starter. They went to him in relief instead of saving him for another game. um, Even at the time, I got to think that was an odd choice to go to. But that's what they did. Uh, Joe Sewell with another error in this one. One of the big hits was by George Burns, who uh, pinch hit and had an RBI double. And we're moving into Game 5. Now, Game 5 is where things get crazy because this is where all of the history, quote unquote, happens. Uh, Jim Bagby hits a home run in this one. He is the starting pitcher. That is the first home run by a, um, by a pitcher in a World Series game. Uh, Elmer Smith, who we've talked about, has a grand slam in the first inning. That is the first grand slam in World Series history. And then on the other side of things is defensively in the fifth inning. Uh, Bill Womgass is playing second. He catches a line drive. He steps on second base because the 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 runners were going. They thought it wouldn't be caught. And tags Otto Miller. He sets up to throw, but realizes he can just run over and tag him. So it's not just a triple play; it's an unassisted triple play. Um, it was the second unassisted triple play in Major League Baseball history, and is the only one so far in postseason play. Um, so, and then Mitchell, uh, Clarence Mitchell, who did that, he made history in the eighth inning by hitting into double play. So he counted for five outs in two at bats, which is uh, not what you want to see, uh, if you are a player, uh, to have five outs and two at bats, that's about as bad of a, uh, outcome as you can have for the Indians. I mentioned the home runs by Bagby and Smith, and that was most of the offense in this one. Um, they only players, uh, wa- uh Bill Wamgas, who is not much of an offensive guy, did have two hits as did Tris Speaker is interesting because it's a different game. You know, by everything at the time, Bill uh, Womgass was probably their worst hitter, but they had him hitting two. Uh, speaker three, Elmer uh, Smith four, Larry Gardner five, and George Burns, who we've talked about a few times. It was more of a bench bat at this time, same as Smokey Joe would. Uh, of course, no DH, so Stan Kovaleski hit in this one, and he actually scored a run uh, as well as having a hit in the game. So at this point, the Indians have now taken a lead after winning these last two to go up three games to two, but it is a best of nine series, so they still need to win two more games. So game six is also at League Park because you've got uh, you've got everything matching up. Uh, so just to go back to game five real quick. Uh, Jim Bagby, complete game shutout. Braley Grimes is the pitcher on the other side who gives up the seven runs, all earned. Uh, Clarence Mitchell, who you might remember had the five outs and two at-bats. Well, he was the guy who relieved Braley Grimes. He was the pitcher. So it was the pitcher who had both of those. He would pitch four and two-thirds after Braley Grimes would only pitch three and a third. Uh, Bagby would have the one run off of him in that one. The Indians were caught stealing a bunch. Uh, We mentioned the home runs in this one and actually i had it wrong elmer smith would go three for four in this game and larry gardner would have two hits and jim bagby would have two hits in game five i kind of conflated my box scores there so i I apologize right now for any confusion uh but the indians go off in game five and at that point they're up so it's game six and game six is october 11th and this is also at league park in cleveland just an hour and 34 minutes these were quick games On the mound for Cleveland was Duster Males, who we talked about, someone they had acquired midseason. Kind of an interesting choice at this point in time because Ray Caldwell barely pitched in game uh, three, and they're not going back to him here, even though he's rested. Clearly, he's very rested. He hasn't appeared in any of the other games. Brooklyn has Sherry Smith on the mound, who had uh, performed well in that matchup previously against Caldwell. But Males was spectacular. Just three hits in this one over nine innings. He uh, steps onto that stage and you know four strikeouts. Remember this is narrow where there's not a lot of strikeouts. Just two walks. Smith would go eight innings on the other side, give up just one run. The one run would come when Tris Speaker would have a single. George Burns did start in this one and he followed up a single with an RBI double. In the six I would get a run across Brooklyn would have zero uh, runs on three hits no errors the Indians would have one run on seven hits and three errors so they made it a little harder on Duster males but the win occurred and the Indians went and this was the fastest game of that World Series so we move on to game seven uh, and this is the decider and when you're in a chance to set the game and win it, There's one pitcher, if you're the Cleveland Indians, you're going to, and that's Stan Kowalewski. And on the other side, Brooklyn pulled Burley Grimes back out again um, to start in this one. He struggles a bit again, not his strongest performance. Don't go back to Marquard. Um, I need to look at his age relative to everything else in this one. But I mean, he had gotten them. He had pitched well early on. So Again, I'm kind of surprised by their Hall of Fame manager and some of the choices he made in this one. But for the Indians, they get on the board in the 4th, 5th, and 7th innings of Game 7. The Brooklyn does not score at all in Game 7. They did not score at all in Game 6. Their offense definitely stalls. Um, The pitcher committed an error, Braley Grimes. I'm just going to keep saying his name because I love saying it. On a double steal. They got the first run across. And... Let's see. In the fifth, they had a uh, Tris Speaker had a run-scoring triple. And in the seventh, uh, Charlie Jameson had an RBI double. Kowalewski was fantastic. Um, nine innings, five hits, no runs, earned runs. One strikeout. He, uh, for this World Series, he had three starts. I believe he went nine innings in all of them and won all three games. Now, it's a best of five, so he won three out of five. But he still won three out of five. Uh, if there's any doubt who, I don't know if there was a World Series MVP, but if there was, it should have been Stan Kovaleski. Without any doubt, uh, if you're looking offensively, it's Tris Speaker who was in the middle of everything. Composite box score for the 1920 World Series. The Indians scored 21 runs on 53 hits and they had 12 errors the Brooklyn Robins had eight runs on 44 hits and six errors. The Indians dominated really outside of the two games that Brooklyn got. The rest of the series wasn't all that close. The scores might have been close, but it sure seemed like Brooklyn just could not get together offensively and their pitching was not able to withstand the barrage of the offensive uh, force of the Cleveland Indians, a team that was so good. It had future MVPs as part-time players. Uh, the total attendance for those seven games was 178557 That's an average attendance of 25000 per. If you won, you had got $4,168. Loser share $2,420. For the winning player, that meant you got about $50,000 for winning. For the losing one, about 25000 So not an insignificant amount of money. So that's the 1920 Cleveland Indians. It took us a long time to get through a team that was... Three Hall of Famers, uh, several uh, history-making moments, both good and bad, but led to the Indians' first World Series victory. A fun team to know about, a fun team to look at. One of those teams that the uh, right place at the right time, as the burgeoning Yankees dynasty was about ready to take off. I hope you've enjoyed this look at the... Uh, Cleveland Indians, the 1920 squad, as we've looked at these greatest teams. Wednesday's show, we'll talk about some of the simulation, where we are with that. We will talk about a horrible trade in Indians history. We will go back to what's been happening. I have it all teed up. If you're at home and going, oh, he didn't talk about the Norm Cash deal. Oh, no, I know. It's coming. It's something to talk about. And if uh, if you know about Norm Cash, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know about Norm Cash, I can say at least this did not happen under the uh, watch of Philsiki, thank you all for listening in, tuning, uh, even during these times. I hope I'm bringing some enjoyment and fun to you. Uh, you all are fantastic. I have been Jeff Ellis. Remember to ask your smart devices to play the Locked On Podcast, the Locked On Fantasy Podcast, and as always, go tribe.